was going to say, I'm impressed, David. That was incredible. Anybody that can find those hymns and throw them up there that quick, I'm, I, that was a, uh, I've seen sound people in lots larger churches and paid big money to, and not had anything done with it. I was trying to work for him, but he won't. <laughs> I, I appreciate the chance to come back again tonight. I had a good time this morning. It's good to meet you, many of you, and and uh, have some friends that popped in too tonight. So that's awesome. And uh, we're we're going to still be in Philippians tonight. I thought we would do the fourth chapter tonight, some of that, and um, uh, just talk a little bit and, and uh, see how that goes. So Philippians chapter four, beginning in verse two. Do y'all want to stand while we read God's word? I want you to do that. Okay. I plead with Eudonia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, loyal yoke fellows, to help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but we live in kind of a tumultuous world right now. Am I the only one that's picked up on that? It, it really is crazy. Everything seems out of whack. Wrong is right, right is wrong, everything is just totally sideways. It, it, nobody can agree on anything, and, and everything seems to be that way. And, and it seems like never, like never before we need some peace in our minds and our soul. We're not necessarily in, in war a lot as far as physical war, but we sure don't have much peace. It seems that we are all kind of at it, and... and and when we get to that point, we sometimes dig in our heels <laughs> and refuse to move. Uh, I've watched people, and it seems like the, our political parties, it seems like our friendships, all kinds of things, everybody's kind of dug in their heels, and nobody wants to move one way or the other. That's, it's this way or that way. You know, it's no middle ground anymore. It all seems to be that way. And, you know, sometimes... We have to give in to make the world see that we're trying to make a difference and instead of just out to case to win or lose. It seems that we're so intent on winning our side that we forget to work with each other. And part of this comes from, you've got these two women here in this, um, at the beginning of this that are at odds with each other. And we're not sure exactly what it was over if it was the Baptist church, one of them was probably a better casserole maker than the other. I don't know. You know but it could, be, it, it could be pretty much anything. We don't know exactly what it was. But it seemed to be like one of them wasn't getting what they thought was right. And the other one wasn't. You know, and so they kind of dug in their heels and, and are going like that. And he's saying, whoa. And it had, obviously, 
it's decided all this, they were so intent on winning at every cost that it was starting to affect the life of the church. And I cannot tell you how many times I've seen a couple or a family, two families feuding in a church that all of a sudden it spreads throughout the church. And it can really cause divisions and cause all kinds of issues. And that's exactly what's going on. So much so when Paul is writing a letter and mentions them by name, something is up. You can pretty much decide, okay, there's more to this story than meets the eye. He knew it was causing something. He's telling them to, to dig in and look out. He's saying, look, help these guys. He's, he's calling his other ones. Get together with these ladies. Work this thing out. Let's settle this and be over it. I wish Paul could write to our Congress right now and say, get some folks around and let's get them together a little bit and let's start settling all this instead of I've got to win my side, you've got to win it, and we're not going to do it. Because it, it's almost like it doesn't matter which side you're on. I don't... I don't want to get into that, but what it does seem to matter is that if this side wants it, this side is against it, no matter how good or how bad it is. And when we start living our lives that way, oh no. And as you're a church starting to look for a pastor, if one side decides, well, I've got to have this kind of pastor, and the other side, I've got to have this kind, guess what's going to happen? You're going to have strife and have a hard time finding a pastor, because it's, it's a difficult thing as it is. And then if you've all decided, I get in my head sometimes things that, if it would just go this way, it would be perfect. And I sometimes wonder why God doesn't hear me when I do that. You know, if he just let me handle it, I would, it would just be, you know, I would have, the COVID thing, I'd have said, watch this. The, the Christians are all getting together praying about it, and we're going to have a cure, and it's over and gone. God didn't do that. And I'm going, oh, God, you could have really shown everybody. Sounds a little bit like some of the temptations Satan gave Jesus when he was in the wilderness, right? You know, turn this, these rocks into bread. It's okay. You're hungry. You haven't eaten for 40 days. What's the harm in that? On the surface, it looks like no harm. He's going to, something on the, but you don't do that, right? And that's exactly it. What I think is perfect <laughs> isn't necessarily perfect. What are, it's more important to have things than to be, to have, it is more, there are more important things than to be contentious and about getting your own way. There's more important things even than winning or losing. And sometimes we, Georgia fans decide that winning at all costs, right? I'm assuming they're Georgia fans in the Athens area. I, I don't know. It just seemed like a, a non... I, I guess I can full confession, I'm a Florida State fan um, because my, we're from Florida, from Florida and, and we've got an outcast. There's always some... Georgia Tech, oh, well, well, you know, I understand that. You know, it's all there. But, you know, we get our, in our heads how it should go, right? And, and, and all of us can Monday morning quarterback now. I mean, we know if, if the coach had just done this, that'd be fine. You know, if they had just done that. And, you know, I hear that happen sometimes over if the preacher had just said that the day before, it would have been all right. But he didn't say that, and he missed an opportunity, I, I am sure. But so 
what we need and what we need to be more concerned about is that Christ is coming soon, so we better be ready. And that's what he's saying. Get ready. There's more things. Keep your guard up. Look out because Christ is coming soon. Now, when I was in, I mentioned this morning that I'm a product of the 70s. You know, I graduated in 74. And, and when I, I'll never forget in youth group, we were sure Jesus was coming any second. I mean, it was a big, it was back in the old days, and you know, most of you don't know these, but they did a trilogy of movies, The Thief in the Night, um, Mark of the Beast, I think, and something else, I've forgotten them now, it's been so long. But they were huge movies, and everybody watched them, and we're all like, Jesus is coming right now, anytime. I mean, we'd even have prayer meetings together thinking, is he going to come while we're in our prayer meeting? We would like to think he'd come while we're in our prayer meeting, but you all know when he's going to come. When we're doing something we know we ain't supposed to be doing. When we're going 70 miles an hour in a 55 zone. Or, you know, he, he, that's when he's going to come. I mean, let's face it. He's going to come, what? Like a thief in the night. When no one expects it. That's when it's going to happen. And so he's saying, look, we've got to understand these things. Are, we should care much more about if he's coming and getting ready and, and be praying about that. Um, I don't know if you remember, early in the Gulf War, the Iraq, you know, shot Scud missiles over into Israel, if y'all remember that. He did, they did that, and they found quite a few deaths from that. And when, they, when, they, when the psychologists, and the, the, when they did all the research on what happened there, they found out that the actual Scud missiles didn't cause that many deaths. What caused most of the deaths were heart attacks and heart-related problems because of the worry and the fear that they had about being attacked by Scud missiles. So later in the war, as they had more Scud missiles and they saw that they didn't necessarily just blow everything up, there were less and the, the deaths seemed to be about the right amount. But here we are worrying about all kinds of crazy stuff. And we're causing our, more stress in our lives. And, and they say that stress increases your sugar levels with diabetics. It increases all kinds of heart issues. It does all those different things. And we are sitting here stressing us so much, and we need to be praying <laughs> and praying there instead of worrying so much. I'm going to talk about worrying a little bit. But when we pray, we should be specific <laughs> and not so general. We're real good about, Lord, forgive me of everything. We don't want to say, now, Lord, forgive me for feeling bad about that person and calling them a name or... Lord, forgive me for cutting off that person in there because I just didn't like the way they were driving and I was going to cut them off the road. And, you know, don't, Lord, you know we, we don't, we're not real good at specifics about what we've done wrong. We're, we're much better at the generalities because we don't want to say out loud those things that we've done. We need to be more specific. Do we focus on our negative things or on positive things? Now, we've all been around those negative, we call them negative Nellies, that are down on everything. It just doesn't matter what, they've got something bad to say. Georgia won by 10 points. Well, they could have won by 15. You know, I mean, it could be anything, but they've got the negative side. Does it matter what? It need to be positive. Um, I use the example that I told you this morning, I play trumpet. And I'm playing trumpet solo. 
and inevitably one little note or something will go bloop, you know i'll do something crazy and it'll split a note or i'll miss a note and we've got a pianist and musicians and in the and what do we do after we finish with the solo does we don't think about how many notes we got right we think of the ones we missed every time i, I maybe you all do, i do every time i can tell you which notes i missed which one i split which one i didn't do right which one yeah, wasn't quite up into the tune and we can tell you where we missed. We can't tell you about all the positive good notes. You know, I can hit 95% not positive and the 5% is what I'll dwell on. We all have to be careful of putting ourselves in that situation. Because it's easy to decide, oh, this is the bad stuff, the negative stuff. And, we, and, and God can't love me because of that. God can't love me because that is in the way. And what about the worry game? Y'all play the worry game? What if this happens? If this happens, then that'll happen. And what happens if this happens? And the next thing you know, you've got yourself all worked up. I, I used to tease my, my wife is, was, is an RN, was an RN. Um, she's retired now, and, and and she would have some kind of symptom or feeling bad about something, and she'd look it up on the internet. Don't ever do that. Or <clears throat> or she'd be home alone while she's sick. By the time I get home in the afternoon, she's got some d dreadful disease that's going to die in a week. They, they, she took this worry, what could have been a small thing, and took it and made it to something huge. And, and it, that's what we do. We, we'll take some little problem, we'll take whatever's going on with us and decide to make it. And, and he's telling us, don't worry about everything. You know, you need to be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. I'm anxious about everything. There's some days I'm kind of going, what happens if this happens? And I just don't know. Am I going to have enough? I'm retired and, and I'm on a fixed income. Like everybody isn't on a fixed income. Why do we do that? You know, isn't everybody on a fixed income? You have a salary, that's how much you make. You know, unless you're a salesperson, and that's even worse. Because if you're doing self-employed, you don't know what your income's going to be. It could be big this month and nothing next month. And, and that would drive me even more nuts. I, I want to know how much I'm making, you know. I don't need to know this, 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 and this. I cannot fathom. People used to say, why don't you go into evangelism or, you know, do revivals and those kind of things. I'm going, man, I, I'm not sure my faith is there <laughs> because they didn't know, you know, if they have good, they'll make, you know, 10,000 one week and then nothing for the next 10, you know, or, they, you know, it's just, you don't know. And we get caught up, and, and we worry about, I get anxious about, well, am I going to have enough money to pay for this? And then, and um, we, as you all know, we retired in Baldwin, and, and we got this house, and we had it inspected, and everything looked good, and we, we knew there was a couple little things, but they were little things, we weren't going to have to worry about it. It's been the money pit. We've done nothing but pour money in it since we've been in it. I've been in it a year, and it's been just nothing but pour the money in, lots of money, and I'm going... There goes our retirement. There goes this. And I'm going to have to, and I'm going, God's going to take care of this. I know. Of all people, I'm the preacher. I know that God's going to take care of it. But what do I do? I still, but, 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 but this might happen. That might happen. And we find ourselves doing that. We, we, tr we, we have to understand, though, that we, we, faith can overcome our worry. Some of us worry about gaining weight, and we, because we're worried about gaining weight, we eat too much and gain weight, right? I, I'm, I'm that person, you know, if I'm, I'm, I'm a stress eater, if I'm stressed, 
I'll eat it. I, I wish I was that guy that stress doesn't eat. I know some people that do that, they get stressed, they don't eat. But I, I never had that problem. Anytime I'm stressed, boy, whatever you do. That's what you have to do. We also try to read too much into things. What did he really mean by that? He's got an agenda. I know. You can take that politically, especially. This side decides they read too much into what this one said. This side reads too much into what that one said. Probably it's someone, we all know it's someone in the middle, but we can't see that. We do that to our best friends. I am, I, I don't like texting, okay? I, I do and I don't. I, I do texting. Sometimes it's, it's easy, kind of boom. You don't have to worry about, you know, if you get it or you don't. But you cannot tell their facial expressions or the, what they really mean by what they're texting. And there's been many a friendship lost because of something that was said or texted that they didn't understand the inflection of it. You know, an example would be, I've been married 42 years to my wife. I've been married 42 years to my wife. Total different meanings. Said the same words. Totally different meanings. She is there all the time. She's there all the time. You know, I mean, we don't know. You know, that's some of the things that we do. And when somebody's texting, you don't know what their inflection is. They could mean some. They could be joking. They could be, and unless they put LOL, you know, whatever. But we've got to be careful. We need to be continually. Ready for God, not with petty fighting, not with worrying, not with all these little things that get in our way that try to take over. We need to work on it. And as we pray, we need to be specific, developing that relationship with God. I mentioned this morning, we can't, we, if God wanted us now, as soon as we were saved, he'd take us to heaven and it'd be done. But he wants us to build that relationship with him. And we're supposed to be working on that day in, day out. All the time and continuously praying and talking with him, reading scripture, all those things together is how you build a relationship. I have zero relationship with my wife Janet if I never talk to her. Right? Think about it. If you're not, if you're married, or if you've got a best friend, or so whoever, if you're if you never talk to him, you never communicate with him. How are you ever going to develop that relationship? I have people all the time telling me, "Well, I just don't have any friends." Why not? Well, I, nobody, I, what, somebody didn't just come up and grab you and say, you're going to be my friend and we're going to spend all this. We have to what? Develop the relationship. You have to work on it. That's why you have Sunday schools or connect groups or life groups, whatever you call it, your particular church. They all call it different things now. But you have small groups. Why? So that you can get to know people. When you're in the large group, it's hard to get to know. You, you look, we're all sitting like this, right? We know the person we're sitting kind of close to, but after that, you know, we don't. That's how it works. That's how churches do. All churches do this. I'm not talking to y'all. If that's the way we work, we all get in our little place and our own little stuff and do our own thing. Guess what? You cannot build relationships that way. We've got to work on who we are in Christ, not up against those around us. I'm going to make a confession. I struggle with self esteem stuff sometimes. And what I mean by is, I kind of go, 
sure are a lot better preachers than I am. There's sure are an awful lot better musicians than I am. There's sure are a lot better people than I am. There's sure are a lot people, you know, and I can catch myself thinking, well, I'm really not good enough to do that. They don't want me to do that, or they can't want me. And, and I can catch myself pulling myself down into those things. My problem is I'm trying to compare myself to others. And when we're in, in certain groups, we're more intimidated than others. We just had a Jubal Corps. I'm in the Sons of Jubal. I don't know if you've ever heard them or know what that is, but it's the singing group from all over the state. And we had a Jubal concert at First Snellville this past week. Um, and I'm there with 300, there were 378, I think, musicians. That's just singers and instrumentalists and all. And, it's, and musicians are bad about comparing themselves one to another. Um, trumpet players are the worst because everyone wants to be first chair. You know, that trumpet players, they, if you're not playing first, you're not playing. Now, they've got an ego. They, it's part of their ego. And guess what? I'm a trumpet player and I have that trumpet player ego. I, you know, I like to play if I'm not playing first. Now, I'm a French horn player also. Now, my French horn skills, I don't feel, are as strong as my trumpet ones, so I don't care if I'm not playing first on that. Ain't that weird? It's a different mindset. As musicians, we compare ourselves to one another. I listen to some of these tenors that can sing like, you know, whoever, but I mean, I mean they could just sing like a bird, and, and, can, and we listen to them and go, wow, how do they do that? And if I could all of a sudden say, I'm not singing in front of anybody ever again. Why? Because I don't, can't compare to them. We keep putting ourselves up against this one or that one. Every church has what I call a matriarch or patriarch of the church. That person that when they talk, God listens. Right? Every church has got them. I don't know who yours is. But you, you all probably have a name that pops in your head when I say, when that person talks, God listens. At Rosewater, it was the Carters. That was kind of like, the Carters were... When they spoke, God listened directly, had a direct line. Everybody knew it. And we have to be real careful not to be envious of those kind of people because we have our own relationship with God. Our relationship with God is what we need to be comparing against, not against what other people are. It's what we are comparing ourselves to those, to our own, to God. We're not trying to match ourselves up to others. Who am I in Christ? You see, Christ gives us all these things relationship with christ is what builds us up we we have a direct relationship with almighty god who creator of the universe who died for our sins who rose again that is who we have a relationship with that should make all of us have self-esteem of i am somebody because we are somebody we are children of Christ. We are children of the Almighty God. We are His children. We inherit His kingdom. We get to spend eternity with Him. That should make all of us go, well, I'm okay. I'm going to make it. I'm going to be all right. Instead, most of us Christians would walk around like, oh, woe is me. It's all going to going away this world's just going crazy and i don't know what we're going to do with it and they don't seem to do it nobody listens to what i say and they you know it's really easy to get caught up in that kind of stuff and i think that's part of why some of the people don't want to come and don't fill these chairs up is because they don't see us going you need to be part of this this is the coolest thing ever we are part of the almighty god's family we've got that 
We've got to learn to, we don't just need to learn things, we need to use what we learned. We, a lot of times, can just take it in, but never put it back out. It's just, we need to understand that Christ has filled us. He says, you know, don't be anxious. Let everything, peace of God, it transforms everything in our understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. And he says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, anything that's excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things instead of all the negative stuff. We dwell on negative. Oh, but this is bad, and, and this is terrible, and this is even worse, and I just don't know. Well, I do. Christ says, I'm coming again. And when I come, I'm going to take you to be with me. And when, I, when you're with me, you're going to walk streets of gold, and you're going to be enjoy the, all the pleasures and all the excitement and all the glories. You want to talk about singing? We're going to hear some singing in heaven. I mean, I can't wait. I, I can't wait to hear what Gabriel sounds like on that trumpet. You know, world's greatest trumpet player. The, the universe's greatest trumpet player. The all trumpet. Gabriel, what does that sound like? What kind of sound is that going to be? And we've got to understand that. So whatever you've learned or received or heard from me and seen in me, put it into practice. Watch me. See what I've done. See what I've taught you. Put it into practice. Are we putting into practice all that we've learned? You know, if I just did nothing but practice my trumpet in the house and go and never played it anywhere else, it just sat in the house, what am I doing with it? I'm keeping my talent to myself. If you only sing in the shower, choir director, they only sing in the shower and won't ever come and sing with the choir, they're, they're, they're not using our talent that needs to be done. We, we sit there and we can decide that we're all this, 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 and this, but we, if we're not using what we've learned and how we've learned it, what good is it? Put it into practice. And guess what? And the God of peace will be with you. Which brings us back to the idea of peace. Wouldn't it be nice to just see whatever happens, happens in peace. I'm at peace with whatever happens. If it's good, great. If it's bad, great. I'm going to be okay. God's on my side. I'm following him. His peace will bring that to me. Um, one of, one of our folks at, at Rosemont, his name is Bicell. can be an honorary guy, a hilarious guy, one of my best friends, to be honest. I mean, really great. But if any, you know, any business meeting or anything like that, he was going to be the one to ask the crazy questions, okay? He, that was just who he was. But he's had cancer for, he, he was told he was going to live like a year, 10 years ago. And his, and his attitude the whole time has been, if I die, I'm okay. If I don't die, I'm okay. And God's got it. Just don't worry about it. And that's his attitude. He don't care. He'll tell you. If I die, I'm going to be with him. Paul said it. He says, if I die, that's gain. If I live, that's great. I'm still here doing what I'm supposed to do. But either way, I'm okay. Wow, if everybody could take that attitude, I think our mental health, all of us, would be better. I think the hospitals would be emptier. I think a lot of things would happen. And guess what? Our world might finally see what it's like to be a Christian and what Christian life is really like. We all long for peace. And peace brings about joy. Now, folks, I like joy. I like, and joy is different from being happy. You don't have to be happy to have joy. Joy is that inner, that inner contentment, I guess you'd call it. 
no matter what. God's got me. I am a child of God. I am going to be great. Things are going to be wonderful. If he'll just, if I'll just follow him, he'll take me the way I'm supposed to go. COVID, no COVID. No matter what. Republican wins, Democrat wins. It won't matter. I'm here. God's got me. I'm okay. God's got all of you. You're okay. Trust him. Let him live through you. Let him give you that peace that only he can give. That is what he's trying to tell us if we'll just follow and listen. Quit being a negative Nelly. Let's look at the positive. God has done so much for us. Look at us. Here we are, a beautiful air-conditioned facility, 90 degrees outside. It's cool in here, even in a coat. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your the joy you bring us and the peace you give us. Help us, Lord, to follow and live for you. Show us your way. Open our hearts and minds to you. In Jesus' name.